movie podcast for Isle of Dogs. My name is Tom Chick. I am here with Christian Molonsky. I would like to be known as Seaman Narrator. And with an Isle of Dogs tagline, there might be a couple of them. They're on a collar dangling around his neck. They're printed on a little kind of an amulet. <laughs> Kelly Wand. Amulet. <laughs> No one's ever called those an amulet. What do you call those? You go to the vet. Dog We're tag. Get your dog an amulet. It's like an amulet. Or... Amulets. They go, soldier, where's your amulet with your name? <laughs> and where's your purse with right inside it? Where, where are your braces of uh, nobility? <laughs> where's... All right, enough about jewelry. <laughs> Kelly Wand, we need an Isle of Dogs tagline. We're about to send the prints out to the theater. We don't know how to market this. What do we do? Give us some help. Not the first time I've thought Scarlett Johansson and Nutmeg in the same breath. <laughs> wow. All right, Kelly One, you have something more family-friendly. Finally, a Wes Anderson movie where the people die. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and is there a reject that you were going to leave off the list but you decided to give us anyway as a tagline? Uh, <laughs> good luck spelling that. Yeah. Yeah, good luck, Cynic. I just started out as three whistle. Sure. Cool want. We really need to know that. Well, what we do need to know is what's this Isle of Dogs movie? We don't want spoilers, though, so Dingus, oh, just, just so give us So specific what we want, what we don't want. It's such a – there's you, no you gray would, area. Wait your turn, Kelly Wand. <laughs> You, you shush, Kelly. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Sorry, Dingus. Oh, Preview. what Dingus did? He spoiled it. <laughs> Just like she did. She spoiled the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. I'm the tagline assistant. She was clearly the musical brains of that outfit. That's what I learned from this movie. Hello? All right, so uh, take it away, Dingus, whenever you're Sorry, ready. Tom, Sorry, Tom, don't spoil it. This yes. week we saw Isle of Dogs, also known as Inukashima, a 2018 American stop-motion animated adventure comedy drama movie about whatever happened to man's best friend or the power of bathing. It was directed by Wes Anderson and written by him with story credit to Roman Coppola. Oh. No, not Polanski. Coppola. Uh, Jason Schwartzman and Kanuchi Nomura. It stars Brian Cranston, Koyu Rankin, Edward Norton, Bob Balaban, Greta Gerwig, Scarlett Johansson, Kanuchi Nomura, Kara Hayward, and Leah Schreiber. Isle of Dogs is rated PG-13 for <laughs> thematic elements. Ah, oh, my favorite. Yeah, my see? favorite one. And some violent images. Uh, Kelly, one, is there anything else that should be on that list of reasons that maybe children should not be shown Isle of Dogs? Children are fine. No puppies should be admitted unless accompanied <laughs> by a kitten. <laughs> I want to go to that screening. That sounds awesome. I'm a child psychologist and a veterinarian. Isle of Dogs is at 82 on Metacritic. That's the average rating. Oh, on Rotten Tomatoes, ninety percent of the reviews are positive. I wasn't listening. What was it? Ninety percent. Ninety percent are positive. Sorry, okay. I had to. I had to mute myself to sneeze. You guys missed that. That was fun. Ah, uh, 
it opened at number seven uh, with $5.5 million on its uh, the, the weekend. It had a limited run for three weeks, and then for its wider opening, it made $5.5 million. Came in number seven. Here are the movies on Isle of Dogs opening weekend that beat it. Are you guys ready? Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> I know one of them. Rampage, A Quiet Place, Truth or Dare, Ready Player One, Blockers, and Black Panther. I mentioned to my mom, I go, you'd like it. And she goes, well, it's a Wes Anderson movie and dogs. So I wasn't, I thought it wouldn't, I wasn't sure about it. I go, no, it's fine for you. <laughs> it's fine. Well, it's Kelly, what would you, safe. What? what would you have guessed that cinema score? They didn't get a cinema score rating. They, I guess they didn't see fit to, to pull the kinds of people they normally pull. What would you guess that the cinema scores would have been for Dial of Dogs? Well, they've seen it, right? They're not just guessing. So no, right. I mean, they, they leave the theater. They're given a little ballot. The the Cinema Score employee says, "Hey, please tear through the letter grade you would give this movie." They then tally those up. These are people who go to see it on the Friday it opened. What would Isle of Dogs gotten from Cinema Score? Uh, well, the American public likes to disappoint me and underachieve <laughs> consistently. So I would say a B. Nope, B plus. <laughs> the plus was implied. <laughs> B includes Blue B plus in a guess. Well, Kelly Wan, let's talk about something that you do know about, and that would be <laughs> I didn't know we'd concluded, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the events in the movie Isle of Dogs. I would like you to present those events in synopsis form. Why? <laughs> <laughs> We've never covered this part. <laughs> That is a good point, Kelly. Why? Because uh, it gives Dingus and I an opportunity to relive the joy of sitting through the movie. Oh. Through your eyes. Remember when someone wrote in and went, yeah, I didn't understand that opsis at all. I don't know what Kelly was. Maybe I'll have to see the movie. <laughs> like... I had, so, Kelly, this is an experience you will never have, I'm afraid. Uh, I think – Listening I don't know to if Dingus has ever had it. I have had the experience of listening to a Kelly Wandopsis without having seen the movie. Dingus, have, have you ever gotten to do that? I don't think you have. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm the only one who's slacked off and not been on the podcast. Did and Kelly like, Wand, maybe it really, wait, what's the weightlifting movie? Pumping uh, Iron? Uh, no, uh, Pumping uh, Iron. Oh, Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain, yeah. Pain and Gain, I think right. I Pain and Gain. Right, yeah. Okay, there you go. Well, well Kelly Wand, I, I can say that listening to a Kelly Wandopsis without having seen the movie, uh, it's it's a lesser experience. Oh, yeah. No, it's supposed to be. Yeah. It seems a really dumb thing to do. Unless well, for those of us, shades. Uh, the, those of us who have seen Isle of Dogs, though, why don't you do that for us? Not Ooh. see the movie? And then do an ops- <laughs> listen to that an ops- sh- That ship has <laughs> sailed, Kelly Wand. You've already seen it. Get it? <laughs> you did an Isle of Dogs thing. Oh, wait. Say, I'm sorry. Say it again. I did miss it. Because the ship sailed. There's no sails in the ship in the movie, but there's still a boat. So in a way, you were funny. Also, the dogs wear amulets. <laughs> and the flag pulls on the boat. We should join the military just so <laughs> you have to ask the drill sergeant, wait, what's my carbine? Is it this uh, sock you gave me? <laughs> to keep in my suitcase at the foot of my bed whatever you call that thing that thing with a lock on it alright Isle of Dogsis 
some Japanese drummers jam angrily at us. <laughs> Beside me, underdog with bloodshot eyes stares at the trippy stop motion, looks over at me, opens his ring, takes out a pill, pops in his mouth and goes, after this better take two. Japanese Sam Jackson's voice is all ten centuries ago, whatever that is in dog years, dogs urinated everywhere. It was a fool's paradise. Then one day, cat fancier Emperor Kobayashi Maru did something to ruin this, so it cut his head off. USA! On the honor of decapitation, dogs became household pets. For 1,020 years, nothing happened. Then 20 years in the future, dogs caught flu in a subway, although it was really the new Kobayashi Maru or his elongated skull-faced friends doing. Also, Nagasaki was renamed Megasaki, and the Japanese, always famous for their garbage issues, watched Wally and renamed Hawaii Trash Island and sent all their trash there by Skytram. Then they sent all the dogs there, but didn't rename it anything. Now, here's the mayor making a speech on television. Let's listen. Oh, no. The mayor of Japan, who's like a cantankerous uh, Asian Mr. Incredible, stomps up to a pope. It's not a racist stomps. <laughs> Anime Fujimoto Engine San Omaha Robato Kumeo Nanjani. <laughs> Beside me, Dingus stands up, draws a sword, and goes, Hi! At least it wasn't rice, Dingus. Let's count our blessings. I'm former actress Frances McDormand. Real good, then. I don't speak Japanese, but I believe he just said, where is the library? The mayor, not Dingus. I don't speak Dingus. The mayor gestures as a white dog with a pink nose in a cage is rolled into view. Toshiro Mifune Kazuki K. Mizutani Maria Ozawa. I believe the mayor's just announced his dog Spots, plural, although traditionally a leopard's name, has won the lottery, and his reward is a Skytram trip to Trash Island. Isle? Island. This was an issue with Gilligan, too. And now the very unpopular with the Japanese public, Opposition Science Party spokesman Getty Watanabe, with his rebuttal. Uh, my opponent made this plague himself without using science? Um... Also, whatever happened to man's best friend? Is that a Japanese phrase? Fuck, wait, I'm supposed to be talking Japanese. Sorry, um, just have to reanimate this part. Call Stuart Gordon. A guy in the crowd holding a tomato zoll. He said friendship almost. Boo! Everybody pelts the comical scientist with rocks and broken bottles in accordance with Japanese political custom. Spot <laughs> rides Skytram to Trash Island. His cage drops out of it. He sits there. Thunder thunders. He looks up at it. While drummers remind us they're in the movie occasionally, <laughs> some more words are all Isle of Dogs. This. <laughs> I nudge Dingus, but he elects not to stand. I'll get him back next time we hear the national anthem together. It could happen. Some interchangeable sheepdogs find a laundry bag dropped by Skytram. Some other dogs with more complex character art show up and challenge them to the bag. <laughs> but then Norton, the dingus of the pack, is all, let's open the bag and see what's inside first. Maybe it's not worth fighting over. <laughs> You're in this one a lot, dingus. 
Although cages can only be opened by cannibal dogs, they get the laundry bag open easily. It contains maggots and some cat shit. Beside me, Dingus stands up again, burns an incense stick, and goes, Weiss! Oh, God. Norton's all, with it. The dog's fighting a cartoony stop-motion galactus cloud, because kids. But one of the dogs gets their ear violently bitten off, because fuck kids. <laughs> Murray's all, get out of this movie, Digby clan, and don't come back. This is Murray Turf now, a.k.a. Murph. Here, Murph's law reigns. One of the sheepdogs points at his buddy and goes, ha ha, your ear's bitten off. Goldblum's all. To, 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 be, to be able to always have a super sense of who I was and, 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 and my own real identity and be petty and, and seem informed and always thinking in thoughts would be, would be, would be great. <sighs> Cranston, as a dog, walks up and goes, you other dog characters make me sick. Goldblum, Murray, um, other two, those are names the white man's given you. Where's your sense of dignity? Suddenly they see ScarJo as a dog standing on a nearby hill. They collectively start masturbating, especially <laughs> Cranston. Norton's all, I heard she did it with Tony Randall as a dog. They did it human style. <laughs> Murray's all, I heard she can do a lot of tricks. That's what I whispered in her ear at the end of Lost in Translation. <sighs> I've been this turned on since Sigourney turned into a dog in Ghostbusters. Cranston's all, Ugh, you dogs call that masturbating. Look, here's how we do it in the streets. Jesse! Skyler! Think <laughs> <laughs> it's <is> silent. <laughs> Dumb joke! <laughs> I lean over, lean over to Benji sitting beside me and go... If they're Japanese dogs and the Japanese people speak English, like, how come they speak English? Like, who taught them English? In Chevy Chase's voice, Benji's all, they're not speaking English. British and American people just happen to speak dog. He mistakes an actor <laughs> for a kidnapper and runs off. Crowd. See? It's, he could be right. He is smarter than us. And a kidnapper. Just like NRL, eventually ScarJo gets burned out on watching dogs masturbate to her and wanders off screen. As the dogs wrap it up, they watch as a nearby plane shows up, sputters around lamely, then crashes. Bes I don't like this joke at all. Beside me, Trump's all, I prefer Asian pilots who survive kamikazes. They run over, somehow open the cockpit and stare down at a Japanese kid. Murray's all, since I'm a dog, I may not know much science, but we should probably somehow remove that face mask he's wearing so he has oxygen to respirate correctly. All around me, the dogs in the audience bark with hysterical laughter. <laughs> <laughs> they love that line. Norton's all, let's vote on whether to eat the kid and then separately on whether to eat that spike in his head. The kid farts awake, first five times, then seven times, then five times again, then gibbers at them in Japanese and shows them a black and white picture of spots. Cranston's all... I guess I don't yet notice that dog looks like how I used to. Spoiler alert. For some reason, they lead him to a cage they can't open that has a skeleton inside it. <laughs> the kid opens it with a key. <laughs> the dogs are all, ah, Bach. <laughs> Mash jokes, I guess. That's what the kid yep. 
The kid looks down at the skeleton. There's a name tag with the letters S-P-O and some dirt smudged on the last two letters. Since it'd take a full second or two to pick it up, the kid settles instead for grinding his teeth and flashing back to some words are all three human years ago. And in expository news, the mayor's distant nephew's parents died in a plane or car crash, and the kid broke his leg and lost a kidney. I'm saying all this in Japanese, by the way. In a hospital room, the kid lies in bed in traction with his leg in a cast as the mayor's comical skull-faced lover comes in and goes, <laughs> Eh, bodyguard, Nobunaga ambition, concept, Shogo, Johnny Sako, you one crazy lady, Dr. Jones. Spots is all. Uh, what the coot there is saying is that I'm a dog named Spots. I'll be doing surgery on your leg tomorrow. And uh, what's his name? Leave Schreiber. He sounds kind of like Cranston, but yeah, I'll be doing surgery on your left. <laughs> Who knows more about bones than dogs? By the way, your character's name is Atari. <laughs> How baked did Wes Anderson get? The kid reaches out his hand. Spots licks it. The kid pets him. The skull guy's all stop. Now we have to re-sterilize all his instruments. Ugh. <laughs> To celebrate that guy's anger, Spots and the kid put Bluetooths on their heads. Atari's all in Japanese. I farted. That's why my leg cast is suddenly bulging. Spots is all. I can't hear you. We're using Pamela. He tears up a bit, I guess from the poor sound quality. Back in the present, they somehow dig a 40-foot deep hole for the cage and bury the skeleton in it by lowering it in a long crane arm somehow. The kid gets into his plane and takes off. Murray suddenly notices Balaban's inexplicably wearing the name tag from the cage around his neck in addition to his own. <laughs> Murray's all. Ed got the dirt off. Murray's all. Wait, how'd you get that fastened around your neck? You're a fucking dog. We can over the cage. And why is the name on it written in English? Wait, the kid! Murray gallops past under the plane, shouts up, Hey, I don't know you don't speak English, but uh, my friend didn't defile your friend's skeleton. It was a different dog the audience isn't meant to care about. Uh, named Sport. Very common Japanese word and dog name. The kid's all, Huh? And crashes in the plane. Beside me, Trump rolls his eyes. The dogs help the kid out of the wrecked plane a second time. Then suddenly a helicopter and a bunch of robot dogs show up. Put the kid in a Hannibal Lecter mask and net, belatedly taser him and start to pull him up on a crane arm into the helicopter. Uh, but not before the kid <laughs> writing. Not before the kid tricks the cameras by using his classic ceremonial Japanese weapon, the 1950s American slingshot. So the cameras trickily resume their kid rescuing operation by shooting at him. <laughs> That's how they're going to save him. Norton's all, fuck, we can't let our former masters take back their stupid kid. We've got to help him find his dog, then vote on whether we eat him. All those in favor of eating the helicopter say aye. Cranston, you're our best fighter. Uh, my character hasn't fought in this yet. You were the <laughs> No time. You take on the robot dogs. We'll murder these Asian scientists. Dingus, peanut butter your dog. Break. <laughs> More dingus. A cute animation cloud of dogs mauling Asian people. Another one. <laughs> Another one of a dog getting shredded by metal teeth ensue. This is the kids around me scream. The kid tricks the robot dog by making it do a trick. So the cage blows up and the helicopter loses interest. Back in Japan, failed mayoral candidate Watanabe invents a cure for the dog flu by using CG on a blue vial. 
He and his girlfriend celebrate by drinking test tubes of maple syrup. On TV, the mayor's all, Katamari Damasi! Benihana Yojimbo Kokomi Sakura! I believe the mayor's just said some dogs have obviously killed his nephew and taught his robot how to sit, so they must die. The dogs, not the nephew and the robot. Or the mayor is possibly asking us if we have a dot-com plan for managing unplanned for architectures. Meanwhile, the kid takes the dogs into a bomb shelter and uses tweezers to remove maggots from their fur from when they ate earlier. He looks at Cranston sternly and says something in Japanese. Cranston's all, what an asshole. He goes outside and starts to <laughs> tarry green sludge. Scarjo's all, hey, that's toxic waste. Oh, uh, <clears throat> I heard you bone Jack Klugman. Hey, where are you going? Oh, fuck. Knew I should have just let off with the ass sniff. She's all, here, look. She stands on her head and starts farting. I usually do this with ping pong balls. You just got to use your imagination. Uh, that's what I'd tell audiences on the nights when I was out of ping pong balls. He's all, oh, it's hot. Ping pong. You're like a dog, Forrest Gump. With a vagina. I like that. Meanwhile, and in Japanese news, something Dr. Watanabe has been arrested for curing dog flu and now also poisoned by this wasabi. The mayor's office has ruled it a suicide. His wife, repeat widow Yoko Ono, is now committing actual suicide by sitting in front of a door. Greta Gerwig, who's left acting to wear a sailor suit and get a blonde afro, stands up in her (laughs) cultural appropriation (laughs) class and goes... People, this is a conspiracy. Dogs aren't the enemy. Mayors who murder scientists are. Although his nephew, she tries to kill her teacher by throwing paper at his head. (laughs) Dogs have been treated as retarded vacuum cleaners with cute faces for too long, and it has to end. My platonic hacker friend Gary here will explain. (laughs) Gary turns around from his computer and stares at us. It's his signature move. Some words are all Star Trek Three: the search for S-P-O, and then the last two letters have dirt on them. The kid of the dogs crossed the fuck you finger of Trash Island, which from above looks like jagged rocks, but it turns out passes through Chernobyl and some mining carts at an amusement park while a folk song about spaceships plays. Eventually. It's <laughs> the only lyric I can remember. Okay, this sky tram will take us right through a deadly toxic waste factory and then catch fire and drop us into some rapids where some robot dogs will attack. Hey, where'd Cranston and Asian kid go? From another cable car line, Cranston's all, I guess we're in one of those sky trams that splits in half. Damn that Wes Anderson. Uh, see you in part three. <laughs> <sighs> I say we vote on whether we would have split up voluntarily. Goldblum's all. <laughs> Hawaii can be heaven, or, or, or it, it can, just look at the news, it, it can be hell. Murray's all, hey, look, beside me in this tram, the skeleton of the kid who is looking for sport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. They go into a factory and get hassled by steam. Meanwhile, Atari and Cranston visit a samurai statue trash dump, where Cranston gets annoyed with him for wanting to ride down a possibly fatal slide. Atari makes it up to him by making him go fetch a stick neither of them wants. Although they're so pressed for time, the Atari's slide time was, in Cranston's view, an unpardonable delay. He now submits to a bath that turns him white. Atari holds up his postage stamp photo of spots, or sport possibly, from back when he wasn't allowed to take pictures of his dog. The resemblance is overt. 
sidebar <laughs> by accident. <laughs> by accident, I originally saw this movie in German. And after the scene, spent the next 20 minutes thinking that Cranston was Spots and had been fucking with the kid all this time. <laughs> That's what they were talking about. So that's a fun way to watch movies uh, if you want to move here, especially Wes Anderson animated films. Really random plot points. Come to Germany. Meanwhile, I'm Tilda Swinton. Me name in this is Oracle. This St. Bernard's named Jupiter due to a large ass pimple. She crosses her eyes, waves her hands, and vice versa. I sense this is an Isle of Dogs. Marie's all, yep, we're dog characters. Balaban only has one line left. Balaban's all, what? A black owl shows up. (laughs) But scene stealing. A black owl shows up. Naturally, it can't speak English because it's an owl. (laughs) Gotta be realistic. Meanwhile, the Gerwig sailor hates the mayor, so she covers her bedroom wall with an arts and crafts project of his face. She looks at it and goes, yep, I solved the plot. (sighs) Behind her, her mom, also with an afro, comes in and goes, honey, what'd you do with all my yarn? What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) She's not in the movie, right? Can't remember. Some words are all part three, the rendezvous, parentheses, a Japanese word. Running along beneath the other dog's sky tram, Cranston's all, guys, you made it. Jump down. Wait, never mind. We're getting attacked by robots and helicopters again. Fucking Wes Anderson. By the way, I'm white now. Norton's all, let's vote first, then decide afterwards what we're voting on, like America. As the robots and helicopters close in on Atari and Cranston, it looks like there's no escape. Huge battle coming up, imminent. Oh, it's intense. <laughs> Some words are all three years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> the cast of Skyline points at Dingus and goes, Ha ha! <laughs> you, you were the one who pioneered hating that trope. Reluctantly, I tear my gaze away from Brittany Daniel and back to the screen as a cannibal dog who looks the same breed as ScarJo, but I guess isn't, open Spots' cage using a master key. She's all, we only ate Fuzzball, by the way, because he was in a coma. Uh, he was dying anyway. Who cares? Don't ask me where we got this key. By the way, this used to be an animal research facility. Yeah, under Trash Island. <laughs> Wes Anderson. Spots is all... Hey, check it out. My teeth have Japanese written on them. They also explode. I guess Wes Anderson saw Dune. Uh, in RL. <laughs> in RL, putting explosive teeth in dogs' mouths would probably be uh, kind of Jurassic Parky. Speaking of Goldblum. Back in the present, Atari, who I guess watched the flashback with us, gasps Japanesely as Spots leaps past him and blows up some of the robots and helicopters by spitting his teeth at them. Then the dogs and kid all jump into the rapids and visibly float off. A Japanese newscaster's all, Atari fell in water. Guess he's dead. A state funeral is held. Only Gerwig comes. Meanwhile, on Trash Island, 
spots is all. So that's the reason we didn't open sports cage with this master key. And then why we put that cage back where mine was to make you, Atari, grind your teeth if you ever flew here. By the way, Atari, I don't know why we wear these Bluetooth since we don't speak the same language, but uh, I knocked up a poodle, uh, Peppermint, over there. So from now on, Cranston here is your bodyguard, as well as my brother. <sighs> Weird how he and I have both been on this island for years, but haven't run into each other till now. But here you go. He somehow puts the Bluetooth on Cranston's ear. The dogs both cry, but Atari doesn't give a shit. Back in stop motion Japan, the mayor's all, Kagamusha Akiho Yoshizawa Wakazashi. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, so he's speaking Japanese. Bidi, 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 uh, <laughs> oh no, oh no, 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 uh, oh, uh, uh, Japanese. <laughs> The mayor's just said, if I'm reelected, I'm going to poison the trash island dogs on re-election night, which I guess is tonight, with the same wasabi poison I used to kill my political opponent. Then I will poison all of you as well, starting with Tokyo, and deport all sailor activists to WKRP. Science party. Rebuttal. What? And the election, and the election results are now in. The mayor wins with 98.6% of the vote, or body temperature, same as the last nine elections. Back in Japan, where we already are, Gerwig Popeye <laughs> goes to her favorite chocolate milk bar and goes, all right, Yoko, listen up. Enough with the suicide. So you're 0 for 2 with BFs. She puts her photo album in front of her, smashes Yoko and his drink while the bartender watches disinterestedly. It goes, I know you're holding out a dog serum on me. Cough it up, bitch. Yoko <laughs> takes the 7-Eleven receipt out of the photo album and shrugs at the bartender. He slides a blue vial down the counter super hard so it might fall and shatter. But Gerwig catches it and goes, yes! I knew chocolate milk was the answer. She runs out. Yoko watches the door close sadly and goes, I wish I'd read the script to this first. Some words are all part 2600, Atari, game over. Since dogs fixing a plane would be unrealistic, the dogs in Atari instantly make an extremely fast boat using Trash Island's copious supplies of carpentry items and their natural engineering know-how. Back in Japan's only auditorium. Gangnam Gundam Gungan Nam Nam Yoshi's Cookies. <laughs> wow. Mayor has just said a few nonsense words that don't mean anything. Stop! The audience gasps as Afro Gerwig is somehow allowed inside. She's all, behold, and holds up a newspaper with a picture of a blue vial on the front page. <laughs> what? This is the dog serum. It exists. I got it from Yoko Ono by breaking chocolate milk and making her look at some pressed leaves I accidentally thought was my photo album. Plus, as you can see, it's also been reported in the newspaper here, apparently. So there you go. Guess you guys didn't read it. Japanese Costner stands up, points at something, and goes, The mayor's not who we thought he was. He's the movie's antagonist. <laughs> the mayor makes his usual expression. In the doorway behind him, Cranston's all, Stop! Our characters are also in this scene. <laughs> no, our boat sank, probably. <laughs> A security guard's all. Well, ordinarily my job is to prevent people or dogs without authorization to come in here during the mayor's speeches, but I'm going to allow it. Kid, is there anything you'd like to say on national television? Atari walks up to the podium, unrolls a scroll, and begins mumbling. McDormand's all. Uh, Atari is probably saying in Japanese right now that the dogs are nice. And even though he's 12 
and Gerwig's character is 22, he's still interested. <laughs> and he, oh, he just said the word haiku five times, and then seven times, and then five times. Are haikus how the aliens would have contacted us in contact if that movie had been Japanese? The mayor's eyes turn orange with remorse. <laughs> A random medic injects Cranston or Spots with the serum. It makes his fur CG look stonier. He's all, oh, fuck dog biscuits. Now I'm into blue drugs. <laughs> Get it? Because it's Cranston. Blue, uh, never mind. Suddenly, the, uh, what was his name? This is it's Habayashi? Heimdall. Heinsberg. Heisenberg. Suddenly, Cranston fights some more robot dogs, and the mayor and Skullface fight over the remote control of the wasabi. The much larger mayor somehow loses, and the wasabi speeds through a pipe to Dog Island. But fortunately, thanks to Gerwig's creepy hacker friend, (laughs) eh? the poison only kills some humans in hazmat suits who are on the island for some reason. Gets in their suits somehow because of the hack from the laptop. An American stands up in the audience and goes, Those confused hazmat suit wearers are dead! Teenage Afro-sailor Greta Gerwig now controls our nuclear and bioweapons arsenals. The crowd cheers and walks out, texting. A cop walks up to Skullface and goes, You're under arrest for failing to poison dogs. To celebrate, the kid donates his heart to the mayor. Then, in accordance with election bylaws, Atari is automatically elected mayor of Japan. <laughs> uh, yeah. This first act, I didn't get that in Germany either, by the way. This first act is to make the penalty for yelling at a dog nuclear war. Then he has all of Cranston's teeth pulled and replaced with explosives. <laughs> My mama liked that. Spots and his bitch and puppy move into a sewer under a statue of himself. The plaque reads, in honor of Spots for quitting his bodyguarding job. On a rooftop, Cranston watches... (laughs) Oh, fuck. On a rooftop, Cranston watches ScarJo walk backwards, enticing a line of mesmerized Scottish terriers into falling through the floor and getting submerged in weird black ink. Love that joke. She's all, I normally do this with Irish setters. (laughs) Cranston's all, I don't know why I bite. Maybe I was just housebroken bad. Oh, yeah. She's all, hey, long as neither of us are fixed, shit. He tears up a little. Thank you. The drummers show up and beat their drums angrily. Euphemisms. A black owl stares at us. As some words tell me who taught Atari English and how to fly and fix a plane, same person, I look over at the traumatized nine-year-old trembling beside me and go, uh, so how's the image of Cranston mounting ScarJo treating you? <laughs> the end. <laughs> That's how dog says German accident. Fucking stupid country, Jesus. All right, well done, Kelly Wand. Uh, <laughs> Challenging. Wes Anderson opsis. Uh, Dingus, you go first. You really wanted us to see this. What? What's your opinion of this Why? movie? What's a movie that? 
I was going to say, what's a movie that you like better? What's a movie you don't quite like as much? And what did you think? Why is Gamora? I, I think he tipped his hand. <laughs> Why? No, he's, well, he's tricky. He's tricky, though. You what do you mean I tipped my hand? <laughs> he said, he made, what, you, you got us to watch this. Why? What just, did you want us to I was going to say, why did you want us to watch it? What did you think of it? Are, are you saying that I said that because I didn't like it? Yeah, yeah. he's saying uh, but I don't agree why would I not like this? It's kind of irresistible. How could someone? Okay, I don't know. I mean, why would you think I don't like it? I don't know. Oh. Uh, I just thought that that that, that sounded very Freudian. That, why? What? No, he just didn't want to hear what you had to say. <laughs> All right. So uh, just under this, uh, I, I, the reason I wanted us to see this is because I this is one of those few movies that uh, that I've gone to that I left feeling better than when I went in. I I, I freaking love this movie. I freaking love this movie. Um, I, I went to see it with, uh, with my kid, with my girlfriend, with, and with her kid. Uh, and then I went back to see it again with, uh, um, with her and her kid. They wanted to see it again for, uh, which surprised me because they are not dog people. They're absolutely not dog people. And some of when, when I read some of what our listeners said, you'll understand what I was talking about, Tom. Um, uh, I, I was crazy about this movie. So, uh, so over and under, I used uh, uh, movies that use. Um, all right, so uh, reluctantly and very, very closely, I would put Fantastic Mr. Fox under this. Um, just very closely, because I think that this movie has more uh, weight to it. That you know, thing is, that, Meryl Streep is not one of the voices in this movie. Are you sure you want to do that? She actually, one of the things that they didn't tell you is that she does all the voices. Nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she does a great Balaban. She's the Kelly Wand of the movie. You know, Aww. Voices. Um, uh, I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. And in fact, uh, you know, I love all but one Wes Anderson movie. Uh, Rushmore. And, yeah, Rushmore is the one I really can't stand. Um and, and I, I, I mean, I love the way Fantastic Mr. Fox looks. It was one of my favorite movies of that year, but I just like the weight of this more. And over this, I would put a movie that uses Japan as well as a backdrop um, in a different sort of way. I mean, this is not really Japan, but that's not the way Wes Anderson makes movies as far as setting is concerned. I mean, he's very much creating a fantasy or a fairy tale world. It, sort of modeled on the real world with a, a real world kind of backdrop in a way uh, that seems familiar while not, while not being totally real or, or completely realistic. Uh, so I would put a uh, lost in translation just above this. And this is, you know, sort of the, the right. Coppola connection as well. And the Bill Murray connection. Right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And the scar Joe. Oh, of course. Right. Yep. That's my joke, Tom. That's right. Now I get it, Kelly Wand. That's my joke, Tom. <laughs> I can't do Norton. He's just Gosling rehash. Uh, Kelly Wand, what's a movie that's better than Isle of Dogs? A movie that's not quite as good. And what did you think of it in English? <sighs> Hang on. I have to retype all my notes out. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I couldn't figure out whether. 
Fantastic Mr. Fox was an over or under. Uh, and then I couldn't think of another thing to compare it to because it's sort of in its own zone. It's, like, it's not even that similar to Fantastic Mr. Fox except the animation because that was an adaptation yeah. of a Roald Dahl novel. So it's even more kid-friendly than this can be. Uh, so I, my over and under, I bracketed with movies I can't really enjoy properly because I worry excessively for the animals. And so everything, even if they're stop-motion <laughs> animation dogs, I worry for them. And so... Like, scenes that should work don't, because I'm going, oh, someone's got to step on the bunny or something. So my over was Water Ship Down, which I placed just because it has no people in it, um, mostly. Uh, and that's something I liked about Mr. Fox, too, which I'd probably give as a slight over, but I'd feel weird about it. My under secret of Nim, because that would be kind of freaked me out. Uh, but I remember liking it. But it's And it's not, like, right under it. It's, like, way under it. Right. I'm not good at the over-under, <laughs> sorry. I just don't understand. It, it's too hard for me. There's too much math. Um, Kelly one, leave the tight bracketing to me and Dingus. All right. I mean, no I, one. Yeah, I'm not. I've never heard Watership Down pronounced as Watership Down. It sounds like the way I pronounce Star Trek movies. Watership Down. Watership, watership Down. Down. I don't. I, yeah. What, watership uh, Down. That was an anomalous pronunciation. I right. think it's Watership Down normally. It's not like windmill. You're just saying Star the same Trek thing over down. and over again. Watership Down. Watership, watership Down. What do you guys? And then. Watership down, watership yeah, I came down. Came in here with you. You said the same thing twice. Watership down is how he's saying. I said it. Is it Sorry. like the putt? Whatever. Okay, I, I know what both of those movies are, regardless of how you pronounce them. Uh, but you think all right. it's about boats, but it's about bunny rabbits. Uh, my over and under are, are movies where dogs talk, uh, and my <laughs> my over is up. This is, and I'm not bracketing that closely. I, I like this a lot. I'm not as crazy about it as Dingus, and I, I do. Dingus, you mentioned this has more weight than Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I want to hear about that because one of the things I was wondering while watching this is, uh, is there any weight to this? Is, is this just a whimsical fantasy? And I, I don't know the answer to that, so I want to hear what Dingus has. I to thought say about it was, that. Uh, but my, well, then Kelly Wanda, I want to hear what you have to say about that as well. Uh, yeah. So my my over was up, which has a lot of weight to it. Has a talking dog. Doug is great. Uh, you know. I, up is a tremendous movie. It's uh, I'm not doing any tight bracketing because my under is a super messy movie that is for very particular tastes. Um, it, and it's actually a horror movie. It's a Spanish director who I've never heard of before. It's a movie called Black Hollow Cage. <laughs> and it opens with a little girl being given a prosthetic robot arm. This looks like someplace in the near future. Uh and we don't know how she's lost her arm. We don't know who's this guy who made the arm. Uh, he gives her a, a fake arm, and then he leaves, and her dad helps her practice with the fake arm. And she gets really frustrated, and she says, can I go – and she's English. She says, can I go let mom out now? And the dad kind of sighs exasperated, uh, and he says, yes, you can. So she goes across the room, and she opens a door, and a big old beautiful white – kind of husky just a pure white dog comes walking out and the dog has hanging under its neck what looks like a, a blue toy of some sort it's a little it's a big old blue speaker with a red light on it and the the little girl holds her arm her fake arm behind her back and the dog says what is that you're hiding and there's no like mouth moving or anything but the little light blinks as the dog talks and the little girl says, okay, I'm going to show you something, but I want you to promise not to be afraid. And the dog says, okay, I promise. And the little girl holds out the, the prosthetic arm, and the dog smells it. And the dog says, it doesn't smell like you. 
And then the little girl <laughs> thinks for a moment, and she spits into her hand and rubs spit on the prosthetic arm oh. and then holds it out to the dog. And the dog says, that's better. Now, no. this, is the, this is the opening of a movie that will then never explain what happened to her arm, why the dog can talk. Is the dog actually her mother? Because she believes that. Her father doesn't believe that. The dog believes that. The movie will become something that has nothing to do with all of this stuff. It becomes a really weird, dark horror movie that never – I mean the, the dog and the arm figure prominently, but they're never explained. And, and the, the internal fiction of why does this dog have a talking box on it is never explained. And it's super fascinating about Black Hollow Cage. Um, Just like it's a, it's a really charming and interesting opening that you've described. I mean, it, I would like to see that movie. All this stuff with the dog is great. And, it, and you know what? It becomes a super – I mean, like I said, it's a horror movie. It becomes super dark and uh, it's, it's difficult to watch partly because the actors aren't quite up to what the director wants them to do. Uh, but I love the stuff with the dog, and the little girl is actually very good in it. So my under is a Black Hollow Cage because I love the idea of, of dogs talking. Uh, I was never a dog person growing up. I, I love Dingus as, Dingus as, as a dog here, and I, I love that little beast, and I now pay more attention to dogs. So I love movies that have the internal dog, the monologue of dogs expressed, and that's one of the things I, I really liked about this. Uh, Boy and his dog, where do you put that? Boy, that that's weird. Yeah, because I never feel like that. That I don't know who the is it Ray Walston or whoever does the voice for the dog doesn't sound like the dog looks. Uh, and yeah, I'm not. Jason Robards is not. No, Jason Robards is the villain. He's the guy who runs the underground oh, yeah, clown. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Boy and her dog. You know, Boy and Boy and his dog. I actually love the idea of it, but it's just such a clunky execution for what it's trying to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. It's um, a short story, and in that form, right. it works really. That ending's got a lot of punch. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, so, anyway. uh, so yeah, I, I liked it, but I, I'm not sure that it's going to leave much of a lasting impression on me. I, uh, it just seemed like a, a fun, whimsical adventure. Uh, and I, I have a couple of questions. You know, what is this weight that it has? Why is this set in Japan? Uh, and is there some kind of message to this? I don't know the answer to these, and I want to hear what you guys think. <laughs> I didn't get a message. I hope Dingus did, and you can explain it. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure why it was set in Japan either. I like that it didn't come down against cats too hard. Because <laughs> I like cats and dogs. I don't see why we got to be divided in these things. There, there was no conniving cat character. The cats just seemed to sort of look smugly on in the background. Yeah. yeah. But the, but Kobayashi's thing is he's a cat person. That's that they say at the beginning. And he has a, a tattoo of a black cat on his back. And right. I it's just his little state emblem, like the emblem on his podium is a cat. And he, they, yeah, right. But he doesn't have an actual cat, which is or does he? I can't that remember. we know of, he might. Isn't there one who's near the spot, the sauna? Never mind. Um, well, I, th- I think that that's just set dressing because uh, I mean he he has it during the talk show Kobayashi does, and then uh, as soon as they go oh, to, right, right. to a break, the cat jumps jumps down and runs away. I mean that's what cats do sometimes. <laughs> anyway, the um, only reason but, I can think of the Japan thing is. So that the dog, they, they, is he, maybe he just wanted uh, the humans and the dogs to speak separate languages. And so he wanted the dogs to be understandable to us because they're the main characters. Okay. And so he just picked a different culture and one that, I mean, I don't know. Because there's nothing specifically Japanese about the dogs or anything that happens. Like there's no. Well, they're using the archipelago science. idea. They, I mean, I guess they could have yeah, been in Hawaii instead, maybe, or some other archipelago, but they were very clear about it. 
like just being we're, we're, we've got this island and we're going to that island and it or even just to, you could be a little island in puget sound i mean it doesn't have yeah, to necessarily be an archipelago but um there's but people, it, that is a good point though is that, that you know the culture of J- japan being an island nation um <clears throat> might have something to do with it i did wonder uh the finale where kobayashi gives way uh, out of a sense of honor. Like, I, I wonder, too, is that something that was uniquely Japanese? Right, is the fact right. that the bad guy realizes, yeah, he's been outed, he's been busted, being dishonorable, so he's, he steps aside. Like, does Although Japan... you can make that play in, as an American... You can make that sure. play in an American plotline, I think. It happened in Ready Player One, I believe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, the thing is, I mean, the thing is about this movie, like, like with most Wes Anderson movies, is that... Uh, they have this setting that is sort of idealized and and a little bit fantastical. Like even Royal Tenenbaums might be set in New York, but he's not going to show you landmarks of New York. He's giving you an idea of it. Uh, I mean, this is Megasaki City, which is this made-up place. But once they, as far as I understand, once they decided, like, we're not really sure how to moor this, Figuring out a way to moor it was putting it in Japan and setting it in that society and with those ideas of a sort of samurai culture and those and the drummers and those types of ideas. And also, I think that there that particular idea that we as Americans have of their society and maybe it's true, maybe it's not uh, of precision, I think, fits his style of filmmaking perfectly. And it's sort of an answer to that yeah. uh, that often criticism of him being twee, which I can't really stand. I, I just love his precision. And I think that his precision is really interesting within the, within the setting of being put in an idealized, like, sort of pseudo-Japanese area. Huh. So, uh, so let me just say that real quick. Arthur Giovangeli says that uh, it kind of agrees a bit with what I think what Kelly was saying that uh, he adored the implication that cats were influencing the humans and encouraging them to banish the dogs. Yet he was also glad, and he calls himself a grumpy dog hater, but he liked the movie. Um, he was glad that the movie didn't turn into a child, childish cats versus dog kind of battle. So yeah, that's just based on what you said a little bit before, which is a whole but, movie. But how do you? How come anyone hates dogs? How can you hate dogs? Uh, well, you know, my uh, I have people in my life who don't thing. who don't like dogs who just who've had who've either been traumatized for by them or uh, okay. uh, there are there are a lot of dog owners who just don't care. They'll just bring their dogs wherever. They'll bring yeah. and, and this is getting more and more prevalent on on airplanes and supermarkets i was in an i was in our local supermarket and somebody put they, they they said we got a new puppy and they put the dog right on the treadmill on the um on the on the i would call it a treadmill but on the uh on the conveyor belt yeah yeah right there and i'm like dude you're giving all dog owners a bad name and, do- and dogs poop all over the place and their owners don't pick it up so i mean dogs get a for people who have been traumatized by dogs, I understand that. I would have been enchanted uh, if that happened in front of me. I would have gone, oh, puppies on the conveyor belt? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, um, except I'm putting my produce there. Get your dog off it. You know, uh, you know. I'm not, not going to do that with my dog because I'm a responsible dog owner. I don't uh, bite produce, Dingus. Put the puppy on. 
So anyway, I understand people who don't like dogs. I, I don't feel that way because I'm a dog and a cat person, and I think you can be both. Um, but you just have to be responsible about it, and that's just the difference. I'm not um, sure, though, so, that I feel that, that, that you necessarily have to like dog. Like, the dogs are so anthropomorphized in yeah, this. That they're, yeah. they're not even really dogs. I mean, they look like dogs, yeah, and point. they've got beautiful fur animation, but – and there's a dog joke every here every now and then, but I I don't think you have to really like dogs. You just have to like Wes Anderson's uh, precision, uh, his composition. You have to enjoy this kind of animation, his sense of humor. Uh, but they're they're not like uniquely doggish to me. Uh, you could you they could easily make this about way. about cats. You could easily just swap this out and make it about like you know cats. any any pet, any 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 animal that has a domesticized relationship with with humans. I I think would kind of work in this sort of story. Uh, you know those uh, videos of like like some um, government bodies where they vote uh, and everybody starts like throwing things at each other and fighting. Yeah, it's imagine, the United States Congress. Yeah, right. well, I can imagine that being like the cat voting as opposed to the dog voting. Because <laughs> the dog voting is like I'll just say I say I I I, I nay who said nay, and the cats would be like Argh. we're not voting. I think, yeah, away. cats are cats are independents. They they don't vote. Yeah, they can't. They are totally <laughs> independents. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did wonder too because the uh, subject matter, and this is me just casting about for, and I, I shouldn't do this with Wes Anderson casting about for you know is there any sort of political message here or uh, uh, yeah. you know <laughs> about the Japanese being uh, interred in World War II. You know the the movie's a lot about moving populations around, relocating them, and that's mm-hmm. something that. Uh, goes, I, I think, it originated in the Spanish-American War in, in Cuba, where the, the Spanish would, would uh, move whole villages away so they couldn't support the rebels and the Khmer Rouge, and the, the, the Nazis, of course, the Russians. Uh, and we did it to the Japanese in, in World War II, infamously. So this is a movie, too. Like, is there some darker weight uh, in, in making a movie about relocating a population? And I, I kind of don't uh, think there is. I mean, no. I could be... Because okay. in that analogy, then the mayor is us. Because it's just one guy. Like that's the implication. Well, no, no. As far as like setting okay, it, like, as far as yeah. setting it in Japan. Like if you're going to tell a story about forcibly relocating populations, maybe that's one of the reasons that it would be set in Japan is because it's something that we should have uh, on our national. We should have a sense of guilt about what we did to the Japanese. I, I don't know, and I I, I don't get and, that from the movie. Like, there's nothing that suggests that, even subtly. Well, I think, uh, well, I think there is. I think, but I think that like, was put on afterward because there is there is a section that I had the same response that Tom had, where they're being marched into a camp, and it and it very much has that sort of is this in, a movie about intern, you know, and like the intern. But then camp. what's it saying about it? It doesn't. I don't know that it's. I it's think that that's. <laughs> I think it's just making a comment about it based on. I, I honestly think that this is the idea that they were painting a picture and then they found the perfect frame for it, and it worked together. You know, some sometimes you you look at it, you look at a picture and it, and it's more appealing to you based on how the how it's been matted and framed. And I think that putting it in the Japanese setting is more of a frame uh, than it is a comment. Yeah. And I think Tom is right to sort of to to analyze that. And then uh, I think what I'm hearing Tom say, and I might be wrong about this, Tom, uh, ultimately sort of rejecting that as, as sort of a, a political underpinning. Well, yeah, so answer me this question. Is this just, and, and maybe even you don't need the word just, but is this ju- just a, a whimsical uh, adventure? 
Um, I don't know. I don't know about the word whimsical because I, I mean, uh, I think it. I think it's more emotional than that, but maybe that's just for me. But uh, the, this idea of this of this kid who's lost his parents, finding this other creature who's the only other creature he has an emotional connection to on the earth, and risking his life to do so, uh, and. Uh, because of the general nature of dogs as pack animals, um, being able to rally around him to do this, uh, I, I think those are all specific to that. But I think it's more of an emotional journey, if you'll excuse me being like a little bit emotionally pontificating, um, than it is a political one. Uh, and that's why I call it weight and, and why, I, why I just barely put it above uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I really like. Uh, I, actually, I love that movie. Um, but the the char- the main character in that is so lighthearted and you know, yeah. so he doesn't have so, an arc. He doesn't learn anything. He he does. Um, does but he? Meryl Streep is the is the emotional. I mean, Meryl Streep's character is the emotional weight of that movie. That. He's kind of a goofball, and he finally learns his lesson. He learns his lesson, but this is a kid who's risking his life to reestablish emotional connection with some with uh, with another creature that he has an emotional connection with because he's lost his family, and his uncle is kind of being a douche. Uh, you know, he's also uh, you know it, I mean you know maybe I may my maybe I'm giving it short shrift because there is sort of a the the uncle is talking about exterminating an entire group of creatures, um, but. I think it's more personal than it is uh, overarchingly political. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, I don't know that I would append the word whimsical to it other than talking about maybe uh, the way certain things look in it. Okay. Uh, it depends. It depends how you, uh, how you define the word whimsical, I guess. It, whimsical just seems to me to be totally light. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that, that is kind of what I'm asking. Yeah. Is it just okay, yeah. totally light? Yeah. Okay. Well, for me, it's not. For me, it, it has more emotional weight than than the whimsical. But it's so not would, an allegory for anything. You don't mean uh, that. You just mean well, it's more intense. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's right. how I described. It. I have a I have a friend uh, online. Uh, his, name, his name's Clay. Who asked? Uh, you know, can I can I take my kids to this? And I said, well, you know. I'd it's, say yes. It's, it's, <laughs> well, you'd say yes about them, you know, him taking Unless the kids, kids to like, anything. Not, well, it depends on the kid. That's the thing. Like some kids are just scared. They're just super sensitive, and you know you shouldn't do it. But, well, that's the like thing. The average kid. Well, your your word intense is the point, and that's as apparent what you have to how you have to evaluate it. Like, um, like our friend Alexandra said, I I, I could take my nine year old to this, and he liked it. Um, <laughs> But I wouldn't have taken him to it when he was five, and that's what I said to our friend Clay. I was yeah, like, well, I, you know, you, <laughs> know, you, can, you can. Well, people take their five. infants to see. I, you know, I remember seeing the idiots. movie Aliens and and having the, and there was a baby in the audience. See, so, rating system it didn't help them, did it? Well, it, they didn't More bother. Uh, right. So, so, so intense, I got to read a letter. Oh, fuck that. So in, intensity matters, and. Uh, uh, more, uh, now I'm saying intensity. I'm thinking of Bill Murray and Austin Trent. More intensity. <laughs> um, so I think it's more intense 
it, it's too intense to be called whimsical is what I would say to, to long, to make long dog lap to answer Tom's question. Sorry. Well, let, let me actually then let me, let me put it this way. And by the way, Dingus, I think you did hit on something that does make this so uniquely about dogs. The idea of dogs as pack animals. When you when you said that, I immediately thought, oh yeah, right, because it does play with that a lot yeah. in a way that, that wouldn't necessarily read if they were cats or horses or cats don't or team something. up. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Uh, but so let me put it this way then. <clears throat> I mean, and granted, and I agree with this, I don't, I don't think Wes Anderson has anything to say about the internment of the Japanese in World War II and certainly doesn't have anything to say about uh, genocide here. But uh, did, did either of you see Coco, by the way? No. Coco? The, the Disney thing about the little the, the, the kid who loved music and his family and he went into the afterlife. With oh, the Day of Death movie? Yeah, yeah, Gail Garcia Bernal, and did either of you see no, that? No, I didn't see that. Okay, no. so so Coco, I, I didn't care for it all. Coco's a gorgeous movie. Everybody loved it, and it had a message, a capital M message. Yeah, for not kids. interested. Right. And my problem is, I like I don't mind capital M messages. I love them, but I just thought it was really glib. Uh, its message was just super dumb and easy. It's a bit, so. It, what does this does this movie? Here's here's a better question than here's what I mean when I say is this just a whimsical adventure? Yeah. Uh. What would kid like? Is there does this teach kids anything? And in a way, I kind of think no, because I don't think Wes Anderson's making it for kids. He's just making a story that he likes. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. think this is something like Coco, where they sit down and they're like, "What can we teach kids?" Or it's not even like Inside Out, where it's like, "What's a cool movie we could make for adults with a, a poignant, important message for children?" And Brave, Brave is like that as well. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything. I don't think this movie's trying to teach kids anything. And maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Uh, but it, is that a fair assessment? And that's sort of what I mean when I would call it whimsical. If anything, it's teaching them something that annoys me, which is make your dog do tricks and then reward him. And to me, it's like, <laughs> why, do you, why don't you just feed the dog and just hang it? Like, why does he have to do what you say? That always annoys me. Because it actually dig it. This is a because dogs are pack animals. That's part of the relationship that a dog has with his or her owner. Yeah, dogs are like kids. They need boundaries. They need to be told what to do. Yeah, there needs to be a hierarchy. Yeah. So I used to feel have... like a jerk with, with uh, like, like with Dingus's dog. Like, I'll make her sit before she eats dinner. And at, at first, I was like, oh, that's kind of a jerk thing to do. Just let her eat dinner. But it's just part of It's a comforting way to establish, and I think she likes it, the relationship with her. Like, look, I'm giving you this. You know, we're in this pack. There's, there's, there's you, then there's me, then there's Dingus, then there's the cat. That's the hierarchy, uh, and everybody has their place, and everybody's comfortable with it. Yep. The cat's under the dog. No, the cat's over everything. Yeah, yeah, the cat. The cat, uh, 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 the cat runs but, everything, and you have to do that because the dog's more powerful than the cat. So you have to establish right, right, right. That the cat, the yeah. cat, the cat runs the place. That's the cat's food. You can't have it, and I said you can't. That's it. It's like, it's like with a horse, Kelly Wand. You can't just like you've got to teach the horse. Look, uh, you're kind of big. You can kick my ass, but but no, I'm in charge. You have to constantly reinforce that with a horse. That's part of the the uh, practice of domesticating animals, Kelly Wand. Well, <laughs> it goes against my grain, but you're probably right because in here in Germany they take their dogs everywhere, and I love it. But they also have to go to dog school where they probably undergo the Malcolm McDowell reconditioning you're talking about. Well, so you don't like you don't like kids being taught that, and you feel that this movie is propaganda for teaching kids that dogs should have to do tricks. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it seems like the kids like I, um, like he only hugs him after he fetches the stick. Like you have to earn my love, even though you have already fought for me and defended my life. Like give him the pet. Like she already owes him half a biscuit for fighting the robot dog. Yeah, that's, 
But he's being stingy. That's a different thing. That's not. He's not. Affection also is a reward as much as a biscuit is for a dog. I mean, but he has kind of affection. Yeah, he shows him after he does his bidding. That's a reward. It's a uh, reward, and and he hasn't had that. He hasn't had that. Thing is, I think. I think you're letting Kelly Wan troll you because there's nothing here about oh, dogs right. should obey things. <laughs> well, Kelly Wan, that's not part of the message. There is yeah. something that, that goes on constantly as far as um, the talk about masters. Like, I don't I, masters. You know, there's this okay. spirit of masters and, and, uh, and the wanting of uh, when can we get our masters back? So we feel like we feel safe again. We feel, you know, that's one of the reasons why dogs would or wolves or whatever would live in a den because they feel more comfortable in Do that sort of enclosed you. space. It's not just doing tricks. Uh, I mean, that's a little weird, but it's, it's that feeling of, of uh, that, that uh, regimentalization, which isn't a word, but that feeling of, okay, I understand what, what, what my boundaries are and now I can live freely within those boundaries. And that's how dogs react. And to a certain extent, that's how, certain kids react having taught kids and having you know uh, helped raise one uh kids need to know what their boundaries are and then they can act within those they'll push the boundaries that's natural they're supposed to they're supposed to try to exercise their independence and push those boundaries and try to cross them and as long as they know what you expect of them harder like there's an end result like the kids eventually not going to need those boundaries but the dog always will well, yeah, I think actually, I, I think Kelly Wan is kind of, and I don't know if you meant to do this, but I think Kelly Wan is actually inadvertently hitting on what kids might get out of this, is this idea of boundaries and these kinds right. of relationships and, and how they enrich the people in them. Uh, maybe that's Having dogs is cool, and I think, I think that mo- this movie does say that, so yeah. I think it just goes, like, it's more, I, it's more about me, I guess, you're right. Just because, like, I like watching animals try and figure shit out. <laughs> it's a recreational activity for myself. So, when, so telling the dog what to do seems like, ah, what would he do if he didn't say anything? But yeah, I know. Because if you if you don't say anything, the dog's gonna eat chocolate. <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, the dog's gonna it's eat the idiot. furniture, and the dog's gonna yeah. pee on everything, and yeah. exactly. But yeah, the, kid the dog thinks it owns everything. You have to teach the dog that you own things, and right. the dog doesn't own those other things. And it does seem exhausting. Like my dog owning friends seem way tireder than like you got to take <laughs> you got to take the dog out fifty times a day for the shit. Like the cat, you just have a box or outdoors. So know. let's talk about the the cast in this, the voice actors, because I love watching this. That only Kelly Wand and I have a frame of reference for who Brian Cranston is. So Dingus, <laughs> oh, he doesn't. No, he's never seen Breaking Bad. Dingus, what what did you think of uh, of Brian Cranston as a voice actor? I mean, D- Dingus probably knows Brian Cranston as the villain from the Total Recall remake. <laughs> oh, was, I don't remember that. Jeez. Yeah, that's, a, that's who Brian Cranston was the villain in the Colin Farrell. What's Total the one Recall? where he's a newspaper editor? Is it Trumbo? Art? Trumbo, I think. Yeah, wasn't it? There's a movie called Trumbo. Yeah. It's like one of those, like a uh, real life. Pardon? T R O M B O. Is that what you're saying? T R U M B O. Trumbo. Yeah, like like with Dumbo. It's about. I thought it was. I think it's about the blacklist. Okay. It's a politics movie, Kelly One. You wouldn't. Get I don't it. think. No, I know, but I don't think I saw it. And I remember him like trying to run through desks that were in his way as a newspaper editor. So I feel. I don't like think that. it was a comedy. I don't think it was a comedy, but. Uh. 
And then the director like, well, you have to move them so you'd have to bump into a like, deliberate choice to make them. I only think of Brian Cranston as being from Godzilla. <laughs> and oh, now, right, right, of course, right. Uh, How could we forget his performance in Godzilla? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to see Cranston doing. I loved him in this. I thought I thought he was great. I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, he has a great and voice. He, he does. He really Very does expressive. have a great voice. He knows how to use it. Yeah. Um, I thought almost uniformly the, the, the voices were great. I, I loved the things that they did with the voices. Even the weird choice of, of doing you know the Japanese voices and not translating for them for us from time to time. Yeah. I, I love those types of things. I loved the, I think I thought the Japanese actors in it were really great. Um, so Brian Cranston, I was crazy about him. Did you like him, Tom? Yeah, so he was a real standout for me because everyone else I, I think was clearly into uh, what you know? What Wes Anderson does, like even Edward Norton and Harvey Keitel, they've they've worked with Wes Anderson before. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Has Greta Gerwig been in a Wes Anderson movie? Yeah, no. But she she seems no, clearly like Noah Baumbach, so it seems adjacent. Very good, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she seems like the kind of person who would get it. Uh, Brian Cranston and my my whole thing, and I'm I'm a super outlier on this. Like nobody but me thinks this. I I I never thought Brian Cranston could quite handle what Breaking Bad expected him to do. <laughs> I, I never bought him as the end of his character arc. He's just too uh, evuncular and kindly. Like he's he's the dad from Malcolm in the Middle, and he's perfect in that. And when Vince Gilligan wanted him to become Scarface, I just thought that Brian Cranston could never quite achieve that. And I like him a lot as an actor. I love watching him. But that was one of my issues with Breaking Bad. Uh, so I've been fascinated watching his career and watching them try to make him bad guys like in uh, Total Recall and whatnot. So, And I don't think I've heard him as a voice actor anymore. But I loved him in this. His voice was so expressive. I didn't have to deal with the fact that he does look very kindly and avuncular and you know, he looks like your favorite school teacher in third grade. Like he's got this just <laughs> this this very fatherly face to him. Um and when his voice is divorced from that, the way that he brought alive this this dog character, this stray character who is completely different from the other dogs, who is uniquely tough and battered and and had his own emotional baggage, I loved him so much in this uh, that I would go ahead and say my favorite Brian Cranston performance, way better than him in Breaking Bad. Yep. More than Seinfeld. Yeah, he's he's really good as a dentist. Yeah. Oh, he's a dentist. Okay, he's got he's got a face. I could buy him he's as a, a dentist. Sexy sure. dentist. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, no, You're not an weird. anti-dentite. I can't go as sexy dentist. I'm afraid that level of casting doesn't work. He has me. sex with your with you after he knocks you out. I think is is one of his things in that show. What's What's great about it is that. I, I like I, I know exactly what you're saying. I don't I have no, I don't have the Breaking Bad experience you guys have. I um, love Breaking Bad way so, more than Tom does. So no, I, I understand what Tom's saying as far as avuncular is concerned because when you watch the outtakes from Seinfeld, Jerry can't stop laughing when when Tim Watley when uh, when Brian Cranston is is doing certain lines with him because yeah. even though even when he's doing them straight, he's just he's just such a funny uh, he's just such a funny presence. Um, that uh, that that Jerry just can't can't stop laughing. Uh, so you're right. Without his face here, just hearing him do that low like I bite, you know, yeah. thing, yeah. it really really works. 
and there's no sign of that the, of him as a com- comedic actor because uh, yeah. that's also yeah. in Breaking Bad. Like, there's no sign of that uh, with him doing the the voice for that. What was the dog's name? Duke? No, Chief? No, Chief. 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 You're Chief. right. Yeah, yeah. They all yeah they all sounded alike to me. Uh, their names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah, I like that. Leif Schreiber that. does sound like him. Is Which that one was Leif Schreiber? He was. Leif Schreiber is the brother. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he sounds kind of like Krantz. <laughs> and I think so, he's supposed to. I think you're supposed to get that sense. I and, uh, yeah. I thought Brian Cranston was doing the voice for both dogs, so that, that uh, that's yes. how much he's. Uh, they got me. Nice work, Wes Anderson. That's how good yeah. Lee Schreiber was in the movie. <laughs> and Alexandra asked that as well after we saw it the second time. She said, "Did Brian Cranston do both voices?" And then she looked it up, and I didn't know it was Lee Schreiber because right. they do a weird thing with the credits. I mean, he does this. The credits are all over the place, uh, but it, they're very active and interesting. Uh, but he doesn't necessarily do a credits crawl in the normal normal sort of way, so you you can't really see that. So she had to look it up, and she went, "Oh, it's Lee Schreiber." Went, oh, okay, well that makes sense. I saw it dubbed in German the first time, so uh, I missed all. <laughs> the Germans would rather go see a movie like this with dubbed German voices over Brian Cranston's voice and Scarlett Johansson's voice. That's how weird Germany is. All right, sorry. I just said to No, that's it. sad. That's sad that they didn't get to hear Brian Cranston's performance. Yeah. Yeah, that is sad. Uh, did you yeah. guys have specific scenes that just is that was there a specific scene because Alexandra had one specific scene that didn't work for her. Oh. Uh, and we have a couple other writers inners who uh, who did not care for this. Um, the same. So I'm wondering if there were if there were scenes that did not work for you. That's an excellent question. I don't think so. Nothing comes to mind. Kelly Wan, anything stick out for you? Is the cannibal dog scene to Deus Ex Machina? <laughs> Is that what they're gonna say? Okay. From what do you mean? Now, let's... Well, that, well, that just... they become good guys that save them. Well, or... let him out of the cage, and then yeah. he becomes their leader instantly. Like he doesn't earn anything, and they're just like, "What? Wait, one dog once. Welcome. You're now in charge." I mean, but I'm okay <laughs> with that. That's part of the whimsical adventure. That yeah. I, mean, I don't. I, and again, I'm not using whimsical to denigrate it. It's just, hey, anything right. can happen. You know, the bad guys are actually good guys. Let's let's do that. It's more fun. Uh, the movie makes fun of itself a few times. Um, it's self-deprecating. It's they're like at the end where uh, Grogu's like, "Hope that kidney works" or something. <laughs> like there's I'm curious how improvised it is because there's a lot of cool throwaways oh, I cannot imagine can't. any improvisation on a Wes that, Anderson movie Wes Anderson maybe I yeah and that's the thing I was talking about uh, when no I was mind. talking about this movie with uh, with a new friend of mine um, is that you know when you have this kind of movie and this is why it's perfectly suited to Wes Anderson's talents and his proclivities Every single thing has to be meticulously laid out. It, there's no yeah. impro- impro- improvisation that can go on. Yeah. Okay. That's my answer then. <laughs> so, for, so for Alexandra, the one thing that didn't work was 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 during the causeway running. You know, when when the um, when the conveyor bucket is overhead, and um, and the other and the chief <laughs> is running underneath, and they're going. Who, what, where, when, that thing. It took her out of the movie because it just seemed too cute for her. <laughs> that oh, was too Wes, cute. Wes Anderson be yeah, too cute. <laughs> yeah. That's All the right. scene that was too cute for her, Tom. Here, because I was thinking yeah, you – I, I thought – I thought people would mean something like, uh, like when, when, uh, who is it that refers to the Scarlett Johansson dog as a bitch, like at the end of the movie? Like that was a little. Uh, I mean, I understood what? what they were doing. 
Yeah, yeah. Someone's like, "Hey, I'll get yeah. your bitch." Yeah. Yeah, Wait. but it was just a it was just a technical term. It wasn't used. Right, as, right, right, right. right. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, just say get your your chick. You thought that's lady. what Alexandra's thing was going. to be. Well, that's what I'm wondering if that's if something like that like stands out as being uh, uh like uncharacteristic of the rest of it. So when you yeah, when you right. say something's too cute. I'm like, wait a minute, it's, it's a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> yeah, you want as much cute as you can get because it's already – But tonally, it, it just seemed like a gag thrown in in a moment of exigency. And for her, it was taking her out of the movie because it, it was who, what, where, when, why, how. And it was rather than having them – You've got me. This is, a life, got this is a life or death thing where they're about to have a battle and, and these well, – There's these a lot dogs, of that too there's a lot of light yeah. jokes in in the middle what of the did the uh, writer inners not like who, are, who yeah. are the naysayers who are the wet blankets here dingus all right so we have one writer inner who is named bruce garrick i don't know if you guys have heard of him before this movie is not for him because it doesn't have a message it is not for him at all uh, and, and he, he, he starts his email with bah what a disappointment uh, he starts it with the word bah this is uh, what I wanted from my Wes Anderson dog stop motion movie at all. This, Not what I was. Technically very nice. And nice is always a word you want to hear. Nice. But nothing else. The story was too dopey for him. And he didn't understand why the why the caricatures. He doesn't understand if it's for kids. And, uh, <laughs> and like why, uh, why uh, didn't it do anything more along the lines of that dog fight where they fight over the bag of maggoty garbage? And oh, the he wanted dog more. gets his ear bitten off. He wanted more boy in his dog. It, well, I think he, I think he was, he was, uh, from what I can see from his email, and it's short. He wanted I mean, well, he's talking about, <laughs> I think, well, he's talking about scarce resources and, um, and maybe going along those lines. I mean, it could have been a much darker movie in that case. Could have been, there could have been more starvation going I on. I thought it was wanted. Yeah. If he wanted a whole movie about that scene where they're fighting over the the sack of of junk, Bruce Garrick, go see a uh, Marvel or uh, uh, Captain America. No, what is it? Uh, Avengers: Infinity Wars. There's a movie for you about limited resources, Bruce Garrick. Enjoy. That's got a message for you. I love reasons that specific to not like something. Like, this well, I think that's have enough. I, I think that's getting it sort of what I'm saying is that it's a, it's a whimsical adventure. Like and someone who looks for a message in movies or who wants it to have a statement or, or some Wes sort of Anderson. trenchant observation about the world, this movie I don't think does that. I don't uh, think that's Wes Anderson's brand. He's not trying to teach us things, is he? Well, he's just trying to entertain us in his own special way. Trying to, I don't know if he's trying to teach us things, but he's trying to, I don't know, teach us there, I never uh, feel like I'm being taught. So if you, there, you know, there's a there's a very uh, there's a very powerful humanity underneath some of Wes Anderson's movies yeah. that, that doesn't exist in a cartoon in an animated movie. Like when you think of of uh, Royal Tenenbaums and, and and what Gene Hackman's character is, or you think of the the presence of the father for the characters in uh, Darjeeling Express. Uh, like like they're they're powerful real world analogs that people can relate to. Underneath Wes Anderson's uh, charm and, and whimsy and meticulous composition, uh, and I think in a, an animated movie about dogs that just makes up a fanciful world, I don't think you get that as much because his not characters really do burst that. into tears at weird moments. And, oh, um, that's one of the things I loved about that, but but about this movie. But I want to go feather in what Tom was talking about because if you watch Grand Budapest, the the 
emerging relationship oh, between Gustav and Zero. And also, by and, the way, the political the, the political sucker punch at the end of Grand Budapest, like the, uh, the fate of uh, like, like that's it's not a pers- uh, specifically political, but uh, you know the the punch of World War One at the end of Grand Budapest right. Hotel is is hugely powerful. Right. So sorry, I, you, I cut you off, Dingus, because you just made me think of that. Uh, that's like Bruce Garrick needs to see Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, That'll have the payoff he's looking for. Exactly right. Uh. But I'm just thinking of the relationship, really, because I think that his movies are more about relationships and loyalty and emerging relationships and how you build them when you've had so many broken relationships going in in your past. Um, and Grand Budapest, watching Gustav and Zero. Uh, in in the way that film is structured, uh, build a relationship and become loyal to each other in different ways, and how that whole that whole feeling of Gust- of of Monsieur Gustave becoming this this thing that Zero thinks of as one of the good things in this in his horrible civilization that has developed that used to be called humanity. Uh, I think that there's some of that here as well, as far as uh, why um, Atari is going to find spots because of loyalty and the dogs establishing loyalty with him and uh, and going with him on that. Uh, I think that, that there is some of that similar idea, and I think that you also see that in Rushmore with, with Max and Bloom becoming... Uh, close and establishing a relationship. I think that a lot of these movies are about establishing relationships. I think that's what Wes Anderson's movies are about. And I think if you listen to some of his uh, commentary tracks and uh, about his childhood and about writing things with, uh, especially writing things with Owen Wilson and then Owen Wilson becoming a big star and not being able to write so many things with him going forward, I think that establishing those relationships is a bigger deal than the other like messages. Well, certainly uh, Moonrise Kingdom is about how the relationship between uh, Jared Gilman and Kara Hayward ripples out uh, yeah. amongst the adults, like this idea oh, of, of, of what that does to the community and the, the adults and uh, how they feel about the relationship and the effect that it has on them. Uh, that's the whole point of, of Moonrise Kingdom, I would say. Oh, really what, good point. By the way, which dog was Kara Hayward? Kara Hayward's peppermint. Ah, uh, box. Wait, which one was peppermint? Peppermint All the dogs box. sound the same. The dog that spots winds up with, up. has the litter with. Oh, knocks, right, 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 right. Knocks up as Kelly puts it more delicately. Can't remember that dog having any lines, but uh, okay. Did, did, did was there either. no was there no dog part that uh, Wes Anderson could could throw to that poor little Jared Gilman kid from Moonrise Kingdom, <laughs> that little boy who was so he, out of his depth. He has a kid. He did, voice. but it was it was one oh, of wait, the robot dogs. And, Is that and, true? Ding- oh, Dingus, you're lying. You, ah, Dingus tricked me. Dingus almost see? tricked me. <laughs> see? Did you guys see but, Patterson, by the way? But we we couldn't hear him. <laughs> uh, no. The Jim Jarmusch thing, which I should say for the three by three yes, at the end of the I line. did. I actually did see Patterson, yeah. Because, you know, there's that, that little bit where uh, Jim Jarmusch has Kara Hayward and Jared Gilman having a dialogue. So, you know yeah. what? Save it for the three by three at the end of the month, Dingus. Stop yeah, it. Yeah, sorry. Stop I didn't ruining do that. Things. I shouldn't have brought that. <laughs> Should I see that? No, Patterson? it's not for you. All right, no, it, I'll go it, to Mordecai. It's, it's, it's very, very Jim Jarmusch. You have to be super into Jim Jarmusch. Uh, I like Jim Jarmusch. All right, okay. then yeah, see Patterson. You'll love it. <laughs> uh, I like half of him, and then he sucks. Uh, Dingus, I couldn't help but think that uh, <laughs> the the 
the fate of Spot because the moment that he Spots. gets dropped, Spots. Uh, yeah, excuse me. The Spots moment the, he gets Spots. dropped on tr- Trash Island, I'm thinking, well, who's gonna who's gonna let him out of the yeah. carrier? Yeah. And and I thought back to the little shot. Do you remember when uh, 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 the Buckley, the dog in Royal Tenenbaums, <laughs> is introduced as having been in a plane crash? When oh. uh, Ben Stiller's and his children's – when their mother was killed and Buckley was in the plane crash in his dog carrier. And there's a shot, I think, of poor Buckley in the dog carrier in plane records or something. Yeah. But it, no, it made me think – yeah. Yeah, but it made me think of you know Wes Anderson dooming poor animals in their dog carriers. Uh, uh, I was like, wait, that's like in Royal Tenenbaums. What happened to Buckley? Yeah, and but, he's in the extreme foreground and the wreckage is in the background. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but so I was thinking when the – when the uh, the carrier landed on on Trash Island, I was like, "Oh wait, wait a minute!" And then then as the movie went on, I'm like, "Oh okay, I guess we're just not going to worry about how he got out." And, and then the sure plane enough, saves him. Yeah. They, yeah, but then they go back and then no dogs died because they couldn't get out of their dog carriers on Trash Island. That's terrible. It was a great plan. Yeah. I also was really annoyed for the humans on Japan because when they said that Atari was the only owner who came to the island for their dog, like no one else came for him. They'd been what brainwashed. Yeah. Fuck them. The, the media did it to him, Kelly Wand. No. Atari like Fox, was no. It's like Fox News, but it was Cat News over there. Yeah, but if you fall for Fox News, you're an idiot. And if you fall for Cat News, you're an Kelly idiot. Kelly Wand, this is not a political podcast. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> About Japan, man. I love that you brought up Buckley because watching watching Royal Tender Moms again, I just get so bummed out. About Buckley? About Buckley. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to. Yeah. And also, you survive a plane crash. Yeah, that's crazy. Just like Brad Pitt and uh, Dingus was was Buckley a good dog? <laughs> no, you guys aren't doing the line from Moonrise Kingdom. Because remember when the dog gets killed in Moonrise Kingdom? Was he a good dog? Who can say? You guys don't remember? You guys should see Moonrise Kingdom sometime, and then we can do lines from it. Uh, all right. <laughs> the great thing about for like me, and, and this might just be me, but the more I watch. These uh, these movies uh, of Wes Anderson's, uh, uh, save for one, um, the more I love them, the more I get out of them. The thing uh, is, you've already dropped this twice. You got to tell us what's the one. How can you hate a Wes Anderson movie, and which one is it? I can't stand Life Aquatic. I can't stand it. You know what? We, I'm gonna we saw it under we we saw it under pretty good pretty good circumstances because we actually got to see a Q and A after it, and I was just so I just and I keep <laughs> trying to like it. And I just can't. I just I think it's I think it's Wes Anderson pushing his his cuteness to the limit and just being ridiculous. And also, you 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 hate Bill Murray. You don't think Bill Murray is funny. So you hate Jeff Goldblum and and Willem Dafoe. You don't like Willem Dafoe being comedic. That probably also doesn't You hate Kate Blanchett looking pregnant. That's right. You hate hate David Bowie being sung in Portuguese. Right. Yep. Yep. All things nautical. Uh, hate, you hate, hate cutaways Jag- of boats. Yeah, you hate you naval like. things. Mm-hmm. You hate jaguar sharks. <laughs> you hate animated. I can't, stand, I can't stand Life Aquatic. I keep trying to like it, and I can't stand it. All right, uh, well, if Dingus is going to do this, we've all got to rebuke one Wes Anderson movie. Oh, God. Kelly okay. one, which one are you going to rebuke? I opened the door, didn't I? Uh, well, I haven't seen Grand Budapest Hotel. Can't rebuke one you haven't seen. Oh, Kelly, I think you would really like that. Yeah, I should see it. And Ray Fiennes is hilarious in it. He's really good. 
That's what. So that's why. And Saoirse Ronan's really good in it too, and you, you and she gets to actually talk in her native tongue. That's kind of like how mm-hmm. I felt about Brian Cranston in this. Was what a great fit Ray Fiennes was for yeah. the the what Wes Anderson was doing. I and I was so surprised at that, even though from in Bruges, you know, you know the guys he can be hilarious. Oh my gosh, and I'm thinking too of a uh, Hail Caesar. His scene oh. with the new Han Solo. Remember that in Hail Caesar? Yeah. So Ray right. Fiennes, of course, is great. And I just – in Grand Budapest Hotel was so delighted at how well he fit. That's my feeling about Brian Cranston in this. Yeah. So, Kelly Wand, you're going to get rid of Bottle Rocket? That's the one you're going to review? What else? What, what am I forgetting? Oh, okay. I'm going to – I have to do Life Aquatic too. I'm doing Rushmore. Yeah, I'm going to do Rushmore. I, I, I opened the door Dingus. for that. Not right. just to spike Dingus. But, uh, yeah. So what's your problem with Rushmore again? So actually, similar to this, like Rushmore is to me. You're mad that they don't go to North Dakota. Is that are they? Do they threaten to go to North Dakota? I don't even remember that in North Dakota. No, I'm just uh, talking about the mountain. Maybe it's in South Dakota. Are you doing lines from Seinfeld or Rushmore? I can't tell. I don't. I yes. don't know at this point. <laughs> no, Rushmore's fine. I just we've talked about this. It has a sort of heightened reality. Like Rushmore could have been a cartoon. They could have done Rushmore in stop motion animation. You and that's why you don't like it. <laughs> oh, no, I like Rushmore. <laughs> I just don't like it as much as Dingus. I love Rushmore. Uh-huh. Come on, how, Rushmore's also irresistible. I don't. I don't. I just. I Dingus's feelings towards Life Aquatic. I can't imagine feeling that way towards anything Wes Anderson does. Like, because yeah, I'm with Dingus. Life Aquatic doesn't work for me that much, but I. I still just find it kind of irresistible and charming, and it just makes me smile watching it, even though I don't particularly care. It's for not it. like other movies. It's if you hadn't known Wes Anderson made it, maybe you'd like it, Dingus. Now I you know when Wes Anderson makes something. Yeah, so I don't know who. There's no there's way. Cutaway. I mean, yeah. Tom talking about like the cutaway of the boat. I mean, that's the same thing they do in Darjeeling Dar- Limited with, you know, it it he moves Ooh. through sets where where the camera's moving across a set uh, rather than going through rooms, and it's very clear that this is a cutaway. I mean, not a cutaway, but a but a cross section of something. Yeah, and a cutaway. Uh, and I think it's, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Trent. And he's doing that on purpose. Uh, he's he's very clearly being theatrical, and that's one of the reasons why Rushmore is such an interesting, like, way of him setting the table for what he's going to do going forward. Because Max is making like things like Serpico, uh, but he's putting it on a high school stage, <laughs> and he's yeah. just like, this is the this is a cutaway of the movie, uh, and he's and he does that, and it. And it works for me in Darjeeling Limited, uh, mainly because I land with the characters, and I don't land with the characters in Life Aquatic. I just don't uh, land with them. I don't. It has less weight, Dingus. That's why it's good. Well, it but has to be buoyant. Uh, weight uh, and buoyancy, unrelated, Dingus. Weight and buoyancy, not related. Oops. Lift. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Bernoulli effect, Dingus. Uh, okay, Dingus. This movie must have driven you crazy because the music simply did not let up, right? Didn't you hate that? Didn't that just drive you batty? No, I didn't understand. <laughs> I didn't notice that at all. I can't, I can't, I can't <laughs> even so, trick Dingus anymore. I can't troll Dingus. I just feel like I've lost my touch. It's just not working. I give up. <laughs> well, he wanted us to see the movies. So he's yeah. not doing tricks. He's prepared. Well, I just, I, I mean, I just, I, normally I, I'm with Dingus. I just love how completely omnipresent the music was. It was always there. Yeah. It was always like commenting or punctuating or driving something. It, you know, it's just like, like you look at how the Wilson brothers really get Wes Anderson. I, I feel like Alexander Desplat is kind of like that as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I it's like his weird jokes. the way that 
I, I wonder what their their process is yeah. because Mark Mothersbaugh has worked with him a number yeah. a number of times, and now that uh, Alexander Desplat is working with him more, uh, the, Mark Mothersbaugh still does some stuff for him, but it it seems not to. It seems like that they've they've I don't know they they're shaking hands well. I don't know. Well, it really it does make me wonder too because that you know you use the word precision and that's just a great way to put it. How does Wes Anderson's precision work with a composer? Like, does does Alexander Desplat just give him a bunch of music and then Wes Anderson sticks it in? Does Alexander Desplat look at rough cuts? Uh, like, it yeah. just they're so threaded together. I mean, they're 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 just woven in Ooh. a way that in a lot of movies the music's just sort of dribbled over it. But here, the music is just an integral part of of what's happening of the here here you go bruce garrick if you're listening the music is such an integral part of the mise-en-scene threaded threaded together is a beautiful way to put it because i I was searching for an image when i said shaking hands and threaded together is a much better way to put it because you can really i can really imagine that as far as how the music and and the the movie go together that's really great bruce <laughs> uh, uh, we also had Chris Markinson write in, and he was he liked it, but he didn't. He he, uh, he he felt like he should have liked it more. It might mm. be just because I like these movies so much, and I'm really crazy about this movie. I mean, this is uh, I've seen four, maybe four movies this year that have already opened my movie list for the end of the year, and we're only in May. Um, Halfway through the year, yeah, uh, and most I don't know of the why, movies like, pile up at the end. For what? me, every movie I see is like when I, I don't. Know. You're just so particular about when you're going to open your best of list. Mine yeah, is open all year. Mine's open with the first movie I see, whatever crappy January release. Hey, this could be in there. Who knows? Last Witch Hunter. Cool. <laughs> it's, it's not like I'm saying <laughs> the gray. Yeah, the gray. <laughs> January. It's not like I'm sitting there with my okay. arms crossed, going, "Make me open my list." It's just, it's, it's, a, it's more of a matter of like, "Oh yeah, I need to start that now because of this." It's just, it's, it's like a light bulb going on, right. uh, and it happened early on this year, and this is one of those movies that is on the short list. Well, and, way to spoil your top ten list, Ingus. But you know, it could be bumped off. Goes on. It's but crazy. anyway, for for Chris. Uh, he he really uh, he makes an interesting point about just talking about um he said i think okay let me just say he says i suspect there are no studio notes here <laughs> that this is the vision right. of wes anderson and it is uncompromising in its perfection with stop motion animation you can you can control every single thing even disorder is perfect in the movie you have the sneezing of dogs, piles of trash. It's all perfect, maybe too perfect. So he's talking See, about the auteur yeah. theory. Uh, he's talking about the idea that Wes Anderson, for whatever reason, and maybe this is true, maybe it's not. Um, uh, I think it's more team oriented, but maybe Chris is right that that you know this at this point a studio goes, okay, we're this is the level of the movie we're going to finance. This is how many theaters we're going to put it in. Do what you want with it. We're not going to mess with you. You've got a following. Go. This is what we know we're going to get out of this movie. And we'll open it against Infinity War. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) It's animated, too. So, you know, 50-50, probably. According to our graphs. Yeah. 
I mean, I like that. Like, I like. I'm always appreciative when a movie doesn't feel studio notes. Well, that you know, if this had been like if Wes Anderson had not had the pull that he has, I, I can imagine there's no way this would have been set in Japan. Right. It would either have been set in China or uh, the U.S. Like, yeah. that's clearly the sort of thing that a studio note. You know, if there was anybody at uh, this Fox, whatever, who was trying to send notes, those just probably never even made it to Wes Anderson. Because I'm sure yeah. someone there was like, "Can we please put this in Ohio or New right. York City?" Or yeah, and that's the and another beauty of it. Well, this is why it, you know it's a Wes Anderson movie. Is it's not pro or con Japan. Like it's not pro Japan either. It's not going man. Japan's way better than America. Obviously, he's just saying this is where the story's set. And well, go. I. Right, and I, I just think it's okay. – I don't think there, – there's almost no cynicism in his movies. No. I, I, yeah, it's an, no. he would never be con anything, I, I can't imagine. Right, uh, but there's a group – there's – I feel dumb reporting these things because I think it's there's too much – this is how it starts is just people saying, yeah, don't even said this? Yeah, right. right. Yeah, don't even give those people a voice Kelly one. Right, you're what right, because I think it's dumb too, so you're right. I won't – I'll just stop there and uh, just say – What, what would dumb. you have said? What would you have said? Hey, Wes Anderson's white. He shouldn't be making movies. Oh, about I see. Right, right. I see. Hey, that girl made a Chinese prom dress. Cultural appropriation. Right, whitewashing. And co- sure, sure. Jesus, yeah. shut the fuck up. <laughs> Thank oh, you, wow. Kelly Wad. You, you said it. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> There's real shit you could be bitching about, but instead, <laughs> you're tuning all that out for something idiotic. There is a trailer uh, for a movie called Revenge, which, uh, Kelly Wand, you should see. Ding, it's not for you. I'm that has on it uh, – the trailer takes pride in including YouTube comments because the movie – you could argue that it's a super pro-feminist movie and I don't really, – well. Uh, but but there, there are all these YouTube comments that the trailer delights in putting up as if they're uh, like critical. And it just credits them to YouTube, and I'm just like, don't don't even – you know, you're you're just you're repeating what those people put in the comments section yeah. on YouTube about a movie with a strong female character. Just don't even acknowledge that. It's, right. It's so stupid that you guys you're are making. You're part of the problem. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. You're just helping them, and don't don't just just <laughs> shut. Really- as Kelly Wan yeah. said, shut the f up. Yeah. Shut yeah. the. F- oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, and then people who say it happened go, I read this on Twitter. Now I'm reporting right. it. Like right. those people need to shut up. Everybody's to shut the fuck up. Okay, Someone sorry, who shouldn't please. shut up is Chris Markinson. What do you have to say? Yes, yes please. So Markinson is asking us this question. Um, uh, he says that uh, you, meaning me, because I read these emails, Kelly Wind and Tom are all pet owners. Yeah. Does the movie have a greater emotional impact for you with you being a pet owner? Because he's he's. I don't think he's ever been one. Um, oh, he and, should be. Everyone should be. He would well, assume that the sentiments transfer to cats. I think we've covered a little bit of this, but do you think us being pet owners relates to this, how we feel about it? Well, you've heard how dumb I am about the dog thing. I think I already answered this question because Tom and you both think I'm being – as a non-dog owner, I'm like, don't let the dog do whatever it wants. But, but you're, you were super you – you've been super careful about your cats and really emotionally uh, connected to them. And you – I mean – I mean, Yeah, I would I die – like if if a house was flooding and my cats or dogs, I should add, were f- like we were like they were gonna die, I would stay with them. Well, you I, moved your your cats with you when you moved. I mean, that, sure, that's a big that, deal. That is extreme, but what I just said is even more extreme than that. Like I would just die with the cats and the dogs. Like I would just make that call. 
Kelly Wan, there's a movie called Gator with Lauren Bacall and Burt Reynolds. And I I will always remember – I think it's Gator. There's a scene where the house is on fire, and there's a, an ancillary character in the movie, and I think the movie's like super dismissive of who she is. And she's like a crazy old cat lady, and her yeah. cats are in the fire, and she goes running into the flaming house yeah. and, and dies. And I remember watching it as a kid and thinking, well – well, yeah, right. That makes, of course, <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. Your I think that there. happens in, well, not that exactly, but I think doesn't that happen in Defending Your Life where she goes back to get the cat and comes back out and oh, the judges maybe. are like, she went back to get the cat. Yeah. So Defending Your Life could be, the sequel, could be the sequel to Gator, the Burt Reynolds movie. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. But do you think that this movie has more resonance because you're a pet owner, Tom? Uh, yes, because it is about that central relationship. But here's right. where, again, I think it's kind of whimsical. It doesn't for me – I remember in, in uh, King Kong, the Peter Jackson King Kong is not about pet owners. But what King Kong is about and what I think Naomi Watts and Andy Serkis and Peter Jackson and the animators for King Kong did so well is create this idea of a relationship between a human being and an animal. A wild and, and that. Uh, yeah, a wild animal, wow. but still, like you, you look at, you know, I look at my cat, and I'm very aware that this is the same shape of creatures that run around and and take down el- uh, elks and emus birds. and beautiful little birds and, and yeah. whatever. Right, exactly. So, uh, like King Kong for me, really, I, I just loved how that was realized with animation and acting. Uh, you know, the movie was a mess or whatever, but I just loved that the movie brought that relationship to life in a way that I understand. And this movie does that in a – and again, I'm not meaning whimsical to be dismissive, but this movie does that with less weight than another movie called uh, How to Train Your Dragon. And the mm. relationship between Toothless – and I don't even remember the little boy's name uh, – in that movie was <sighs> just so – heartfelt to me and just really just made me emotional in a way that Isle of Dogs didn't. I mean, I, I, I liked Isle of Dogs. I had a great time. And as Markinson says, I appreciated it partly because I'm a pet owner, but it didn't touch me in the way that, oddly enough, King Kong or How to Train Your Dragon did. Uh, and, and partly because I don't think it, it was necessarily trying to. That wasn't... It's different, too, because King Kong is an animal. He doesn't speak English, and in this, like you said, these are anthropomorphic dogs, so it's... Same with of... same with How to Train Your Dragon, Kelly Wand. I wonder if that's it. Is it they're not anthropomorphizing the animals as much? I mean... Mm. How to Train Your Dragon? Yeah, well, that's uh, that dragon doesn't talk. Toothless is like... And Toothless is clearly based on like a cat. He does like cat... He has like cat eyes, and he does cat movements, but he doesn't talk. So I wonder right. if... I, I, I wonder how much that has to do with it for me, Kelly Wand. Yeah. Yeah, is that when it's, is right. when it when it's verbalized, it kind of loses the, the very similitude. I think it does because, like you said, they I mean they help him out of the harness. Like they can do a lot of they open cages when they feel like it when the plot calls for it. Like, yeah, and, and suddenly that's completely different from everything I know about the animals that I've you know owned and loved as a right. owner. Yeah, yeah. But you made fun of me when I was like, Zootopia's message is bad because the animals talk, and then the kid will go, my animal doesn't talk. Fuck you, animal. (laughs) Of course I did. I will continue to make fun of you. That's redonkulous. Kelly one, you're silly. You're a silly little man. I think I'm just saying kids should revel in the differentness and like, oh, I wonder what the cats – like to me it's interesting what the cats think here, although it's probably something retarded. But I say – it's like I have two cats and one of them – I can tell seems kind of smart, and the other one has a really stupid look on his face all the time. 
And I could be wrong in both cases, but I'm just thinking <laughs> one's thinking about a physics problem, the other one's like, <laughs> so. speaking, speaking of duh, what did you think of Oracle in this? Because Arthur Giannavangeli's uh, favorite character, favorite scenes were Jupiter and Oracle. I would have really? loved to have more Oracle screen time. And those were great jokes with Oracle, too. I really like, like Oracle. Yeah. Oracle, like, watching, like, whack-a-mole and going, what? Yeah. 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 <laughs> And the dog's thinking that she got great wisdom from this this machine. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of characters in this movie, um, and there's a lot of cameos, and so they just show up for a second, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's also like that. You know, uh, it's sort of a Wes Anderson thing. Well, I guess not necessarily. Sure. But like ScarJo is <laughs> the prize, I guess. Like she's not part of the adventure, right? Yeah, why couldn't she come along? It's like it's like Black Widow all over again. She gets yeah. left out of all the big franchise action. Yeah. Huh. All right. And she's the only hot dog on the island. Peppermint. I guess. Yeah, the Peppermint's one of the cannibal dogs. It just happens to look okay. Like all the other ones are like they have cybernetic legs and they're missing <laughs> brains and stuff. All right. That's well, weird uh, too. There was like an animal research lab. Like that seemed to me. That's where I started going, wait, he's going to make a point here or something. Like, there's an animal research lab on Trash Island under it. What? Uh-oh, here comes the message. And then it's kind of like, yeah, anyway, that's just where they live. Right, Bobby. right. <laughs> yeah. Just thought you want to know there's animal research going on. I can see all the people, the PETA people at the edge of their seats, you know, with bated like, breath uh, waiting to see where it goes. <laughs> and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's like Mark- watching the Bollywood horror movie and waiting for the singing. Like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Markinson liked that the cannibal dogs were actually cannibals. But just, just the one like, time. It made me get yeah. it when I was – when we had their survivalist podcast and I was talking about – I don't understand what the big deal is about cannibalism. I clearly sympathize with the cannibal dogs. They had to eat yeah. someone to live. What's the big deal? I would have no compunction about doing that if it was my only way to survive. Yeah. I would have no compunction about you. You know, you guys go ahead and eat me if you, if, if you need to to survive when I die. Yeah, what's the big deal? They're cannibal yeah. dogs. Don't judge them. Right. I was totally on board with them. <laughs> it seems weird the other dogs would have gone, oh, they're cannibals, not like us. Let's Like they wouldn't have done well, it. The, right? Well, the fear of when you're alive is that the cannibals are going to eat you. They're going to look at you alive. as a food source. You know, like the, you know, the old Looney Tunes cartoons where I look at you and you look like a, a – delicious turkey drumstick or something yeah okay that's creepy you're right Ning, is i guess if you were specified cannibals who eat people who aren't already dead who didn't die from cannibals who kill people to eat them is one thing cannibals who just eat people who died because they need to survive that's something else so well that's right. the fear because the the dog who initially meets the dog in the cage says well you know you're gonna be i'm probably safer than you are because of the cannibals except for you know starvation and thirst and leaves. I mean, the fear is that the cannibals are going to come and, as a pack, take you down because but they can just take you. But even then, I, I like just call them murderers. I don't care if they're cannibals. I don't yeah, care why they true. kill me. They're just they're that's just killers. True. Like, uh, yeah. Like if I'm in in the Amazonian oh, jungle in a stupid Eli Roth movie, I don't yeah, care if not... the. <laughs> Continue. But, but their motive, but the motive for murder is to eat you. It's not just to right. kill you just for fun. It's right. But my concern is 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 pretty much like zero 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 point one percent about the being eaten, and ninety nine point nine 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 percent about 
that they'll kill Being me. Being killed. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. You can do what you want. If you've already killed me, go ahead and eat me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just so, do it in that order. Yeah. So calling order. them cannibal. I mean, I don't care. Just call them killers. Like whatever. Murderers. Uh, yeah. Is there a phase when zombies are turning into zombies where they want to eat their own brain because of the, the brains? That, Kelly Wan, is an excellent question. And if we had about an hour, boy, could I get into some of that? What's the deal with do zombies uh-huh. eat you or do they turn you? What? Uh, let's get our story straight. What's uh, movie makers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Wan, you just can't stop talking about that DC Batman or no? What was that? Yeah. A Justice League movie. You just love the dialogue from that. I like to think that's the last thing Zack Snyder shot before he bailed on Justice League. All right, I said I got that my brunch line in. All right, someone over else. to you, Joss. Yeah. So yeah, good yeah, luck. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Check, please. Mission accomplished. All right. So, well, uh, uh, yeah, one more on. thing. Arthur mm-hmm. Giovangeli hopes that Wes Anderson uses animation more often because it really yeah. uses to Oh, God, no. Use people. It's like me talking about Ready Player One. No. I, it's anim- use people. Although then I wouldn't – I don't think I would appreciate the Brian Cranston performance as much. So I guess maybe Arthur has a point. Actors like doing VO, so you'll get – Right. Yeah. Right. They don't have to wear makeup. Yeah, Dingus talked about this. Right? They don't have to wear makeup. They don't have to get dressed up. They don't have to sit in the trailer and get their hair done. Yeah. I like stop motion, so I actually support whoever said whatever. But Tom doesn't because he hates visuals. Stop motion peaked with Ray Harryhausen. That's right. I said it. Wow. Did you right. see the Quay brothers? It's like claiming. Oh, damn it. Okay. Stop motion peaked with the brothers Quay. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. Let's take some acid. <laughs> right. Why can't we mention Wallace and Gromit? What's wrong with you people? Oh, jeez. See, exactly my point. Thanks for making my point, Dingus. <laughs> that was playing the kid. Oh, look. The so. guy has a dog, and they're funny. Oh. Tom hates jokes. He, hates, he also hates cheese. <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. That's the big joke. Oh, okay. Let's get out of here. Let's see a Marvel movie, you guys. Oh, God. Again? Yep. Again, Kelly Wong. Every other way. week. Yeah. Guess what, it's Kelly? One, this one's horrible. this one's rated R. Oh. <laughs> uh, but first, by the way, and I love this topic, uh, Dingus. What is this month's three by three? I've just I've got. I, can we make it a ten by three where we each get ten picks? Boy, I tell you, uh, yeah. Like a bus long. When, and, yeah, 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 exactly. When Dingus first said it, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. But I've just got so many great things that I want to bring up. So, Dingus, what is this week's three by or this month's three by three? It's How very simple. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just scenes on buses, um, and it seems uh, like you said it, at first at first glance it seems like, eh, but then you start watching movies and you're like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. It's like getting on a bus, and you're like, oh, why can't the train? And then after once it's moving, you're like, oh, we're making good time. <laughs> so to uh, to send in your picks, please send them into 3 by 3 That's 3x3 at quarter3.com spelled out. And when do they need to send it in by? I forget. Get them to us by May 27th at midnight. So you still got a couple weeks to think about it. We'll remind you next week. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. What are your – doesn't have to be three. Just tell us some of, up to three, your favorite scenes on buses. We'd love to include that on Making good time. Next week, Kelly Wand, an R-rated comic book movie called Deadpool 2. Ned, Kelly Wand, I'll be curious to hear whether you think it's suitable for children. I think there's a lot more, of parents who listen to this podcast who will also want to know that. More so, Josh Brolin, superhero. Oh, that's, that's right. Wait a minute. What? He can't be wait. both – 
<gasps> yeah, he's doing a Chris Evans. Oh, I'm scared. You know what? Say, well, I have something to say about that next week. I'm, okay. I'm very unhappy about this. Very, very unhappy about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty upset too because for different reasons. We'll talk that. about this next week. Yeah, so uh, join us for that. If you guys see Deadpool 2, and please, come on, you know you're going to, and you have any thoughts about it, or you have anything you'd like us to talk about, send some comments also in a separate email, not with the buses email, to 3x3 at quarter3.com. Get those to us by midnight, May 20th Pacific, and we'll include your comments on the air. So join us for that next week. We hope to have you with us. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Moloski. It's Christian Moloski. And the inimitable Kelly Wand. German Netflix puts Ferris Bueller's Day off under comedies. Hey Tom, I was playing Overwatch with a guy and he said he was moving to Indiana because he said they have better open carry laws. I don't think I can stomach any more of this carnage. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Uh, When an alien comes out of you, it can be be heaven or, 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 or hell.